Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to talk to you about beets. But before I do, please be sure to leave me a rating and review. It lets me know what you guys are thinking. And honestly, so many of my podcast episodes have come from the listeners. And I love that. I love trying to make it engaging and useful to you guys. So if you have any thoughts, if you have any feedback, anything you think to make this a little bit better and more valuable to you, I am all ears. If you can also, please do subscribe. It'll let you be the first to know when I have more episodes coming on out. And believe me, I have so many more ideas. <laughs> now let's talk about some beets. And before we talk specifically about beet supplementation, which has become a little bit more popular these days, I want to go over a little bit of the science for you. You know I love the science. <laughs> so nitric oxide, this is a powerful signaling molecule in the body. It does all sorts of things, like dilating your blood vessels, helping create new blood vessels, uh, helping with our mitochondria function, which if you can recall is the powerhouse of the cell because it makes all of our energy. It also helps make new mitochondria, which is awesome. Also helps deal with our glucose uptake, our calcium handling in muscle tissue. And all of this has been shown to help out with our endurance type exercise performance. It does this through helping combat fatigue, and it also does this through improving exercise efficiency. So you can see I listed off a lot of things that have to do with our energetics. I also listed off some things that has to do with blood flow. And when you're exercising, you need oxygen and nutrients to get to the muscle tissue. And if you can improve, improve blood flow, then you can certainly improve performance. So this has been used quite commonly and successfully in a lot of our endurance athletes and intermittent activity type athletes. And by intermittent activity, I mean things like soccer, where you might have a period of sprinting interspersed with periods of, you know, more light jogging and endurance type activity. So why am I telling you all this? Well, dietary consumption of L-arginine can get converted into nitric oxide. And nitric oxide, as I just mentioned, is a great compound that has all of those benefits. So presumably if we eat L-arginine or if we supplement with L-arginine, we can increase our store of nitric oxide. Now, once nitric oxide is formed in the body, it can then be converted into nitrate as well as nitrite. And you should know that the conversion of L-arginine into nitric oxide is oxygen dependent. And what that means is that in situations of low oxygen availability, it doesn't work quite so well. And this sucks because when you have low oxygen availability, like when you're exercising and your oxygen is being used quite quickly by all your muscle tissue, uh, now you're not going to be able to make this performance enhancer naturally in your body and you're going to be a little bit less efficient and you will lose and we have a lot of data that shows that our levels of nitrates and nitric oxide and so on in our blood is correlated quite successfully with performance in these activities and so the people who tend to have better systems that are more resilient to this effect they tend to do better 
more recent research has come up and shown that as a backup to this system. So, you know, we have this nitric ox oxide synthase, which converts L-arginine into nitric oxide. We have a backup to the system. And so our nitrates and nitrites that are floating around, they can be converted back into nitric oxide. And they do this under periods of low oxygen availability, as well as low pH. And low pH just means acidic. And again, in exercising situations, you can imagine that your body gets a little bit acidic, right? I'm sure you guys have heard of lactic acid. So this backup system helps us out so that way we don't have severely compromised performance whenever things get tough. Now, we can bolster our nitrate and nitrite stores by consuming them from the diet. The foods with the highest amount of these compounds are our leafy greens, like lettuce and spinach, also in foods like celery and beet. I told you I'd get to it. <laughs> All of these have very high nitrate contents. Usually, it's about 250 milligrams of nitrate per 100 grams of fresh produce. And as a quick note, I know dietary nitrates and nitrites have gotten a lot of flack, especially in things like cold cuts, and that's not really what I'm talking about here. All right, so some interesting stuff. After you eat dietary nitrates and nitrites, peak levels occur in your blood for nitrates at about one to two hours after ingestion, and nitrites will peak at about two to three hours after ingestion. And this is important because if you are looking to use this, you want to time it appropriately. But what's going to happen is when you bolster these body stores of nitrate and nitrites, now under periods of stress, your body can use this to create nitric oxide, which is again that amazing compound. And it will do this quite readily. So this is perfect for exercising. And I know we're not here to talk about exercise performance. We're here to talk about cognitive performance. Now, if you know me and you've been listening for, for a while, you should know I'm a big fan of exercise and the amount of benefits to exercise on cognitive performance are too many to count. So you need to be exercising. So by itself, this is already worthy of consideration. But I know maybe that's not enough for you. And so I'm going to do you one better. And I want to talk specifically about what this stuff can do for you and your brain directly. So at very high exercise intensities, we have a lot of data that shows cognitive performance deteriorates. Specifically, there is a pronounced reduction in reaction time. And team sport players are often tasked with making these strategic decisions while simultaneously being active at varying intensities. Again, I'm talking about sports like soccer, basketball, any kind of team sport, rugby, right? Dietary nitrates have been shown to improve cerebral hemodynamics. And basically all that means is just more blood flow to the brain, which is always a good thing. But specifically, these dietary nitrates have been shown to get more blood in the areas of your brain that have to do with executive function. So all of those high-level processes that make you smart. This in itself makes dietary nitrates and you know all these foods that I'm talking about Again, worthy of consideration, okay? This is awesome. Anytime you can improve blood flow to the brain, things get better. We also have data that shows that dietary nitrates not only 
get more blood to the brain, but it seems to enhance what we're going to call neurovascular coupling in response to visual stimuli. And essentially, all that means is you're going to have a better response to some sort of visual stimulus. So if you use your eyes, this is a good thing. <laughs> so we have this data which shows physical exertion acutely negatively impacts our cognitive performance. And we have a working hypothesis that, hey, nitrate supplementation can maybe restore cognitive performance in these stressful situations. And specifically, we want to look at the speed and accuracy of decision making, which is what's most frequently lost. And so a recent study decided to test it, and that's what I want to go over. And, you know, again, it's going to have a lot of use cases outside of just exercising individuals, okay? So I, I think it's worth it because you should be exercising, but we have a lot of other use cases. I'm talking about things like periods of stress, all right? Anytime your heart rate is elevated, you're breathing a lot more, you see a vasoconstrictive response, which pulls blood out of the brain, which is not what we want because that's going to impair your ability to think and do stuff. All right. What, or what if you're traveling to altitude, you have a big business meeting, all right, in Denver, mile high city, right? That's also going to be an oxygen stress to the brain and make you not think quite as clearly as you could have otherwise. So there's a lot of potential use cases for this. Okay. It's not just athletes. Uh, we're talking a lot about cognitive performance. We're talking about esports. We're talking about the business world, academics, all sorts of stuff. So what was the study? Well, Thompson is the author, 2015. And what they decided to do was recruit 16 recreationally active team sport players. They were all young, about 24 years old, and none were taking any kind of supplement in the six months prior to enrollment. These participants had four visits. On the first visit, they did a VO2 max test, which is absolutely awful. And if you like pain, then please go do this. <laughs> uh, for the rest of us, uh, maybe stay away. But they did a VO2 max test, which is a very accurate metric that can quite reliably tell how fit someone is. It essentially incorporates every single body system from your brain to your heart to your lungs. All these systems have to be working appropriately in order for your VO2 max value to be in a good spot. So it's a good single metric to assess how physically fit you are. On visit two, the participants came in to get familiar with the cognitive test. So that way they weren't learning them the very first time on the day of their study visit. This study was a double blind, which means neither the participants nor the researchers knew who was getting actual treatment or who was getting placebo. It was randomized, which means that each of the participants were randomly chosen to be in either the placebo or the intervention group. And it was a crossover design, which I love, because what that means is every single participant got to try out both placebo and the beat supplement or the intervention. And what they did is they compare you to yourself. So it's not comparing placebo versus beetroot. It's, it is doing that, but it's comparing your values. So it's, did you get better? Did all the participants get better themselves? Because there's a lot of inter-individual variability. And that just means that 
everybody's different. And so everybody's going to have a different response. But on average, did people do better compared to their own baseline values on intervention than without? The placebo was a nitrate depleted beet juice. Okay, so it looked and tasted identical to the nitrate full beet juice. It just didn't have any of the dietary nitrates in it. So there was no way to tell the difference between the two. They took some extra precautions to make sure that there was no outside variables that could have interfered with results. They actually had them keep a food log on what they ate the day before they came in for their study visits. And they had to eat the exact same foods before both their placebo visit and before their treatment visit. The exercise protocol had a 10-minute warm-up followed by a 40-minute intermittent activity session. And this was duplicated to simulate a team sport game. Okay, so it was like there was two halves kind of thing. So it was 10-minute warm-up, 40-minute intermittent activity, and then there was a halftime where they got a break for 15 minutes, and then they did the whole thing again. They took blood throughout just to check on things. And the cognitive tasks were done 15 minutes before the trial at halftime and 15 minutes following the trial. And these cognitive tasks were very quick to complete. And they did this because they didn't want to overburden them. And the participants were still doing their activity on these cycle ergometers and you needed something that they could actually do while still being active. So what they chose was first a Stroop task, which is a great measure for processing speed, executive ability, and selective attention. And what this task is, is essentially the screen will show a word that has a particular font color. And those font colors might be red, yellow, green, or blue. And then the word that is presented will be one of those color words, okay? So it might read the word red, but it might be written in the color green. And so people had to push the box that matched the color of the text, not what it said. And they had to do this as quickly as possible. And you can imagine this gets a little bit confusing. I encourage you to try this task out. It's kind of fun. Uh, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get confused real quick when it says yellow and then it's written in blue. And you have to quickly <laughs> make sure that you're punching in the blue key rather than the yellow key. The next task was very similar to this. And they call this a decision reaction task. And so at the top of the screen, it tells you either location or direction. So it says the words location or direction. And it says this randomly. And below this, there's going to be an arrow that is presented on the screen at some random location and pointing in some random direction. And so as an example, it could be located on the left side of the screen and pointing to the right and so on. And based on what the top of the screen says, what you as an individual have to do is press a key as quickly as possible. So for example, if it read location at the top and the arrow was in the left part of the screen, then, the, then you would have to click left irrespective of the direction of the arrow. And if it reads direction at the top and the arrow points to the right, then you have to click to the right irrespective of the location of the arrow.
again, accuracy and reaction time were recorded. So there's a few predictions that we can make off of this. If you think it would help, like the researchers did, then you'd expect there to be some improvement in accuracy and reaction time. And you might assume that accuracy and reaction time will decrease across the length of these trials. And the mechanism that the researchers are proposing has to do with the blood levels of these nitrate compounds. And so after supplementing with these dietary nitrates, you would believe that there would be a rise in these levels and a corresponding improvement in performance. Now, the, the opposite side of this coin is if you think it doesn't help, then there could be no change in cognitive abilities. There is an interesting third scenario, which is actually quite common in supplement literature, which is the blood levels change, but performance does not change. And this happens all the time, where we see, I took some supplement, my blood levels got, got higher, but the end performance metric, the thing that we actually care about, nothing happened. And again, many supplements fall into this trap, so I was kind of curious to see how this one would do. So what actually happened from this study? Well, the group that supplemented with the nitrate-rich beetroot juice, they had higher nitrates in their blood. And that's probably to be expected. <laughs> and this, again, provides our plausible mechanism for if there are any performance enhancements. Now, as far as the physical measures go, the group with the nitrate-rich juice, they did 3.5% more work. And this is just how much effort they were able to put in, how much energy they were able to put in to these physical tasks. So they did 3.5% more work, which is nothing to sneeze at. Okay, that in the athletic world, that is a rather significant improvement. For you, you're probably curious about the cognitive tasks, though. And reaction time improved in the second half in the nitrate-rich supplemented group in comparison to placebo. And the value of this improvement was about 3%. Okay, So again, nothing to sneeze at, and 3% equated to about 25 milliseconds. There was no change in accuracy. So this is all very interesting, I thought. It agrees with previous literature that it does improve intermittent type exercise performance. But what this piece adds which is new, is that dietary nitrates in the form of a B2 supplement can be an effective cognitive enhancer, especially during periods of high stress or high physical demand. We saw that the improvements were greatest when the stressor was the highest, when the individuals were most likely to be fatigued. It seems that supplementing with dietary nitrates will allow for greater stability in these uh, nitric oxide cerebral processes. And what we're talking about here is things like our neurotransmission, our vasodilation, so like more blood in the brain and more effective transmission of our electrical and chemical signaling. Again, I think this is important because it's not limited to purely physical activity, okay? Any kind of stressor where your heart rate might be elevated, where your adrenaline's going, where your breathing rate is increased, will cause a constrictive force on your brain. And dietary nitrates can help alleviate that. So that way you can keep all the good stuff going to your brain 
right when you need it. So any kind of mental performance that is very stressful, or if you are just traveling to altitude, I think dietary nitrates have an interesting use case. Now, it should be noted that in this particular protocol, they actually supplemented for one week with the dietary nitrates, with the beet juice. And they actually did 70 milliliters of beet juice for one week and then 140 milliliters on the day of the task. So it might make sense to load your beet juice supplement. And by that, I just mean by taking it consistently for a week up to a big event that you might have. So if you have a big presentation or a big, uh, a big exam or a competition of some kind, take your dietary nitrate, take your beet juice for one week leading up to it. And then on the day of, take it about two and a half hours before. And I think you will be surprised. I think you will see that you have an enhancement in performance. One note of caution, <laughs> which is maybe getting a little bit uh, gross, for lack of a better term. A well-known side effect of beet supplementation is that it will change the, the color of your stool red, which can be concerning to some people because they might think it's blood. But don't be worried by that. If you're just doing it for a week, you might see a little bit of color change, and it's nothing to worry about. It's, it's purely a color change, and nothing is wrong with you. All right, I, I think that'll do it for the day. Please let me know what you thought. Please leave me a rating and review. Please let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I would love to get some feedback. If you can also, please do subscribe. It really does help me out a whole lot, and it also lets you be the first to know when I have more stuff coming on out. So with that, I'm going to stop talking about beets, which... I love, by the way, please try to work them into your diets. They're amazing. And we'll talk next time. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.